We live in a world of stories. Whether it is stories read in school, church, or the news, we always make use of narrative to thread together reality. Today, we're going to be discussing the narratives of the two major political philosophies in America, conservatism and progressivism. We'll analyze what stories each of these views tell us, discuss their strengths and shortcomings, and break down how worldview is largely implicit within these narratives. David. And welcome back to the Facing the Gates podcast. Uh, last time, in case you missed it, we talked about um, the purpose of government, laws, and rights. To kick off our uh, series of political episodes, we kind of got into our implicit biases and uh, philosophies underpinning what we view the government and laws and rights to be um like last episode we're we're not going to really um talk on specific issues too much in this episode we're mainly just going to kind of analyze uh two of the current major political philosophies um on a macro level and and analyze what their messages are to their followers um, so we're only taking, we're only talking about their implications as they relate to political narrative and overall worldview. Um, also for the sake of this conversation, when I say conservatism, conservatism, uh, let that refer to re the Republican view. And similarly, progressivism will refer to the democratic view. I know there are the political ideologies are more complicated than that, and there are different schools of thought within both parties, but for the sake of this conversation, we're just going to keep it simple. So, um, we're going to, this is going to be a very, like, thought experiment type episode. So, let's start with conservatism. Um, tell me what you think conservatism is on a philosophical level. The way I look at conservatism or yeah i messed that up but oh well it, you know what i'm okay. saying conservatism I, i'm i'm going to go with that we'll go with that cuz i guess it's conservativism or conservatism i think it's the same word we'll just go modern with that. day conservative viewpoint right <laughs> what i look at that at, at its core of its beliefs is small government personal liberties lower taxation and a more capitalistic viewpoint upon economy more <laughs> hands off in some ways but also while still holding a larger military and larger policing force while still keeping it smaller government that's what modern conservatism in my eyes is 
and that's taking away any uh religious bias or anything like that. Okay. What about you, David? For me, at least in the modern account, because like with Michael, I would agree on a kind of historical account of the conservative movement. But in the modern day, I think it's more since this became more kind of evangelical in its ways. I view it as kind of using those talking points as its kind of platform, but in reality, doing about the same thing the Democratic Party does, say, with like gun control and stuff like that. Well, so, I th- but on a kind of fundamental level, the modern conservative movement is based upon smaller government, less taxation. It's just the actions they do do not line up with that, in my viewpoint. Yeah, I think, though, Bailey was talking more on the philosophy of what conservatism is at its core. So that's yes. why I went with the more historical narrative, because that's what it still is at its core, philosophically. Yeah, so, for example, uh, my, my analysis of conservatism would be the idea of the conservation of what is good. You know, America is a great nation, so conservatives seek to conserve that. Naturally, conservatives are more skeptical of change and generally have a if-it-ain't-broke-don't-fix-it mindset. Uh, they take pride in the Constitution and recognize it as a revolutionary document that not only changed the course of American history, but rippled throughout the world. Conservatives prefer a smaller federal government, and freedom means less intervention from the government. Um, that's, that's kind of a basic overview as, as, uh, David Coises put it in his book, political visions and illusions, quote, conservatives have a heightened awareness of the fragility of human undertakings and the tendency of human beings to fall into evil and chaotic behavior, end quote. That's kind of, I guess, my perspective. I mean, like, you know, obviously you guys are kind of talking about like specific issues to some degree. Um, and well, I, I will to, to some level, like I actually do uh, kind of agree with David. I'm not going to say that conser- I think conservatives on paper believe things that are good, but by and large don't actually um, act on those things that they believe. A lot of times in reality, we see conservatives essentially defending what Democrats did like 10 years ago. And as one person put it, conservatives or Republicans are Democrats going the speed limit. Yeah. Yeah. And like for a good example, um, like look at in the comparing like the modern scope to the kind of older classical scope, even though it wasn't, it was during the modern conservative movement, but Nowadays, if you took a look at uh, Bill Clinton's platform and what he wanted to do, he'll be seen more conservative than liberal in the modern view since it's become so warped. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and also things that conservatives would say they are against, when you really peel back the facade, it's like, oh no, you've literally voted for what you're against but you're trying to build a facade like uh, meat subsidies. A pound, pound of beef isn't 
three dollars. It's realistically four to five. But that's mm-hmm. if you pull that up, it sounds very socialistic and or communist in that point. So it's more I, when I say conservative, I'm talking more of the uh kind of points of what the normal person who would look into this would see as truly conservative through historical means. Right. Because so, <clears throat> go ahead. Even in supporting a revolutionary document and holding it near and dear essentially is kind of a oxymoron ending of itself because at one time they were seen as the progressives, whereas now it's kind of opposite. At one time they were seen as the rebels and warmongers and it flips coins. So I try to steer away from certain points like that because it's hyper hyperbolic and oxymoron in nature. Okay. I I kind of I see where you're coming from, but also at the same time like the principles laid out by the constitution are still like the the backbone of our society today. Yeah. And so we but- we can't like just be like, "Ah, well, that's old. Now we've got to keep doing I don't I don't know." It's a very, very nuanced topic. Yeah. And it's, uh, especially like viewing the rest of the world compared to America, we're a lot more, say, conservative in that aspect because we're not really, even if we were wanting to change, we're not willing to change. In in that area specifically, yeah. with regard to like the Constitution, yes, because that's the thing that kind of keeps it grounded, and hopefully yeah, well, with the checks and balances with, um, as well. Even with our laws, and I mean, take like a <clears throat> like for example, prohibition. It happened, but we were we fought back against that because that's not how things were done, and more complicated issues on that um so there's there's another um kind of aspect about like conservatism i think kind of um it values tradition in a way um that i wouldn't say i think is in a more unique way than the democratic party for example um it it values um family um religious belief and these are kind of the things that are those traditions that are are wanted to be held upon those are the kinds of things that they're seeking to preserve um but the the philosophy of conservation of things does kind of meet a problem um what exactly is to be conserved? What is essential? What isn't? This is a source of disagreement between conservatives, which can inhibit decisions from being made. And especially right now, um, I think there's a very interesting debate going on on the right between um, conservatives on one hand and libertarians on the other hand, where the libertarians, I'm, I'm just going to say it, 
I don't think they really stand for anything or believe much. They just are like, you do, you do whatever, you know, I don't care. And they don't want to take well, any stances on issues because is built upon their, uh, hold, hold on, let me finish this personal freedom. Well, that's the, what they believe freedom to be is the freedom to do whatever you want. Whereas conservatives are going to say, no, you're not free to do whatever you want. You're free to do what is good, because if you do whatever you want, you're still enslaved to that thing. So that's kind of a interesting philosophical debate that's going on. Obviously, I'm not of the school of thought of libertarians. There are some things I fall libertarian on just because I don't care about the issue or I don't know enough about it. But by and large, I would still fall conservative on most issues. Yeah, but uh, also, one thing I've noticed, uh, the conservative party, when it comes to certain topics, the modern conservative party, not the normal people, but the figureheads, take a very libertarian view on a lot of things when they feel they're being attacked or they feel they don't want this to change. Well, it's my freedom for it not to change. That's not how a democracy works, though. Yeah, we call them squishy Republicans. Yes. And, <laughs> I mean, and the same is also said on the left, but right this moment we're kind of pinpointing conservatism. Right. But yeah, it's, and I think one of the bigger issues is the more capitalist conservative, which strays away from the talking points that you brought up of tradition and things of that because it's more of, they look at conservatism on a more economical side, free market mm -hmm. and all that, which doesn't right. care necessarily for the things we hold near and dear. And then there's your more traditional conservative, which it was more predominant before um, the 1980s when the more capitalist conservatism came about in strong numbers. And you can see that through the changing of political parties and the rise of the neoliberal and neoconservative. Which is where also, more more people fall in line with those. Most yeah. of us aren't going to be extreme left, extreme right. Most of the time we're going to fall somewhere either in the middle of our respective corners or more in closer to the middle than we would view ourselves as. And that's the issue. It with also depends on things. it also depends on like who like what circles you're getting your information from because there are going to be some people that are more economic in nature and that's their thing and then there's going to be people that are more um interested in like traditional values and that's their thing yeah everyone's yes. a nerd it's just what, what they specify <laughs> yeah yeah All it, right. it's like the difference between a huckabee and a trump which you you know my opinion on Trump, but one's more traditional values, one's more modern capitalism. Okay, um, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. As a worldview, uh, what does conservatism attempt to account for, and what does it not account for? And I'm going to let David go first, because we decided this last episode that David needs to go first so that he can have the unique thoughts and thoughts not thoughts, and then David, and then Michael can go. Yeah, what a worldview. The classical conservative is much more kind of isolationist. They want their country to be their country, and they view 
their community as kind of most important, how that runs, how that operates. And, but in the modern sense, it's more so just, oh, here's the problems in here, but we need to keep our sphere of influence outside. And it lacks a lot of the kind of traditional, say, what their immediate culture is. And with a, especially with American classical conservatism, it would be very much not really, not always say focusing on like the federal issues, the nationwide issues, but their societal communal issues and tackling that. All right. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go, Michael. <laughs> okay. Personally, the, again, I'm going to tackle it with modern and traditional. The traditional accounting for is for the individual and how they work in society and how the community as a whole should work and hold tradition and be conservative when it comes to new things. Like, let's say... Should we really invade here? Should we be skeptical? Should we really be sending our military force to a state to deal with state issues? And also holding the, uh, again, the traditional values down, like you stated, that's what I think the old kind of like, tries to account for, whereas the more nineteen post 1980s modern conservative tries to hold traditions in a different sense while championing their own, but not also accounting for other traditions And the same is said for both sides, in my opinion on that. But what it doesn't account for is an ever changing populace. We're ever growing. We are learning more and more. And we are, well, we should be having more discourse and discussions on things of the nature instead of championing the past as much. And because if you champion it, have you really learned from it? And to move forward in a modern sense and not stick to keep the traditions and appreciate the history put forth but you still have to move on. Just like yes. uh, the Bible was, was written and we're, we have to look at it from both the traditional sense of when it was written, take the context in, but we also have to apply it to modern terms and move forward. So I'm, that's kind of where I'm at with that, with what it doesn't account for. It doesn't necessarily account for the, growth in the moving forward and i'm not honestly not going to touch too much on the capitalist side of it because yeah. that's a hairy rabbit hole we could get down and get into what is true conservatism versus what is labeled conservative so yes. kind of like it was built upon a more homogenous culture especially yeah. in 
America historically, it's always been broken up into different, different say, areas of race, culture, and whatnot throughout our cities. Which is ironic because a lot of a uh, immigrant population lean lean more traditional conservative, old school conservative. When you really look into it, like a lot of the uh, middle age to older age Hispanic groups lean more traditional conservative. A lot of people who immigrate from India, from any, from most other countries, they tra- they lean more traditional conservative. Not it, the left is seen as the party for immigrants and people of that, but realistically, if you look at the voting and how it's broke down, it's not necessarily true. It's more nuanced and open than that. Like, look at uh, the last two elections, a large populace of Hispanic males and females over 30 voted Republican because they focus on more, those more traditional aspects. So I actually wanted to kind of um, tack on to what you were saying about like, you know, specifically what does conservatism account for and what does it not account for? Um, my answer is maybe going to surprise you. I think conservatism on its own accounts for actually very little. It is heavily reliant upon other philosophies to sustain itself. So, for example, many Christians are conservatives. Christianity provides the moral and philosophical framework to, required uh, to accept concepts such as inalienable rights, justice, etc. It also provides boundaries for what is and isn't acceptable, though there are some gray areas that are subject to debate. Conservatism relies upon pre-existing economic theories like capitalism to sustain itself, i.e. just because someone is conservative doesn't mean they're, comp- they're capitalist, but many conservatives live on the on the borrowed capital of capitalism, pun intended, uh, because the reach of conservative of the conservative ideology is limited. So without some grounding philosophy or reference to other economic, political, or religious theories, conservatism can't hold its own because it doesn't make sense without reference to some kind of worldview. Why conserve? What do you conserve? Some pre-existing philosophy must be brought to the table in order for these questions to even make sense. I I would agree. Oh, when you break it down to its core, I I would agree with that. Because again, if if we're just boiling boiling down the idea of to conserve, like, well, why? What should you conserve? What are you, and and like that's just that's just a placeholder for other things to come fill in the gaps really um and you know as we, we'll talk about the left as well later i think this the same is true um anyway <laughs> michael is nodding very heavily i i agree um so um tell me what you perceive the conservative narrative to be this can be informed via conservative media politicians friends etc uh, try we, to be nice if you can. <laughs> are we talking uh, well, about modern? What is the current conservative political narrative? See, I don't think. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, and it yeah. makes sense to me. I'll let David go first. 
because okay. I see it in kind of two fields <clears throat> because like take for example yourself Bailey you would be more so like classical conservative that kind of focus more on keeping traditions and stuff like that where a lot of the modern conservative is really based on two things in my mind fear and neoliberal ideals and those same could be said with the other side on at least one of the well probably both but to a different extent because like in say my work i've heard kind of more fear-mongering more kind of that evangelical fire and brimstone if this isn't how it's going it if this one thing doesn't work or if this one law change it's going to be the end of the world and in reality it's not there's ways you can fight against stuff like that there's ways you can kind of work towards whatever goal regardless of what happens I think without getting into like anything specific like that's a natural reaction to anything to some level like you have to be you have to with especially with political decisions you have to do some lateral thinking and see like okay if this law were passed what are the implications of that in the future and what precedent does this set yeah and so like obviously I agree that you know, I agree that like people shouldn't be doomsday people, you know, but this happens on both sides to be fair. Oh yeah. But I, especially with, I mean, I don't talk to many people, but living in South, it's a lot of modern conservatives. Let's just face the facts. And I see that kind of doomsday ask kind of the world's going to burn more and more today as kind of both sides become divided. Mm-hmm. Though with my, with living in the South, I see it more skewed towards conservatives because there's naturally more conservatives in right. our area. Because I mean, heck, going to Walmart and just hearing people talk, it's like, oh, they really think that. Where it's like, eh, the world's going to keep going on regardless. It's just... Well, if Walmart's you, probably not the best place to have nuanced political discussions. Well, I would yeah, disagree. <laughs> that, but like people sitting down for coffee at well, at my work, getting ready to start their day, talking to their friends, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, these people don't know anything about politics. All right, what but, do you think, Michael? Uh, honestly, it's it's hard for me to separate. Uh, either side when it comes to this because I view both of them kind of similarly again it's a reactionary fear mongering is what the media perception of conservative conservative things are it's either reactionary or offensive fear mongering and kind of skewing away from the conservative the traditional conservative that I grew up around like my great grandparents, my grandparents leaned very conservative, but it was more of a leaning that way and still looking for a better future and 
more willing to have conversations, whether it's over dinner, whether it's with their friends on things. And again, this is why I don't abide by either party because it really just boils down to polarizing the populace. And it, I don't really have too many nice things to say when it comes to uh, media. A lot of the outspoken politicians. Uh, yeah. Fair Whereas enough. when I talk to people I know who are conservative and I talk to them about how they view the media, how they view the politicians that have reached or are trying to reach office. It's almost, they feel kind of how I feel when I say I vote a certain way or they vote a certain way. There's like that shame that, uh, I'm, I vote this way because it's what I believe, but I'm not happy about it. This isn't what I, this isn't what it should be. And both sides focus on celebrity over policy at this point. So I think that's the nicest way I could get into it without boiling down just into insults and talking about sheeple and, you know, things like that. Because <laughs> I'm, I am neither a Democrat or a Republican. All and right, also, well, um, go ahead. Most don't, most don't have a good enough grounds of what they truly believe. Because on both sides, you can walk loopholes like, so you say you believe in this, but looking at your policy, it's very clear you don't. Mm -hmm. It's more of uh, grabbing attention and running with it versus actually trying to make a change for what you view is right in your party and what is what the American populace views as right. That's my issue with both sides, honestly. So I hate to bring a mute point, but yeah. Okay. Well, um, I understand your guys' bias. Uh, as a conservative, I have a less negative opinion, but um, hopefully it'll brighten the mood before we talk about you dirty liberals. Um, I, I, <laughs> I lament that label. What liberals or dirty or uh more so liberal because a lot of what I believe does not fall under the modern liberal mindset. Okay, leftist. All right, cool. I, I will I will take my political compass on the left. Okay. Uh. Anyway, from my perspective, the conservative narrative. Uh. And, and I will admit, like I don't. I'm not super fully aware of other people's perception of what the conservative narrative is. This is just kind of my perception of what their perception is. Um, largely because a lot of, there's not a ton of conservative uh, media outlets. I feel like a lot of um, organizations are far more skewed to the left, just in general. We'll talk about that more later, though. Um, but from my perspective, the conservative narrative often relies upon nationalism, which is a pride for one's nation, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It has a kind of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps view of reality. No one is going to hand you anything, so you have to put in some elbow grease to make your American dream come true. 
The narrative values hard work and looks down upon people who don't take advantage of the opportunities provided to them. Um, <clears throat> and also a crucial aspect of the conservative narrative, particularly in the media, <clears throat> which you guys have already said, this is kind of the conservative view, is that uh, Democrats are ruining the world and they want everything to change. They want to throw out everything, and 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 they want to throw everything out with the baby. They they want they want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's what I was trying to say. Why not make That's, soup with the baby in the bathwater? See, um, what one thing with nationalism? Are you thinking more patriotism, kind of pride in one country? Yes, patriotism to, isn't necessarily yeah, a bad thing. Because when you national, become a radical, you know. Yeah, because I Supremacist think, of some form. especially nowadays, people view patriotism as nationalism, and it's not. Because, like, patriotism, you love your country, but you can see it a flaws with it. Where nationalism, you're all in, regardless Blind of... is nationalism. Yeah. Whereas, okay. uh, being a patriot is perfectly fine. We wouldn't call... The, the way I look at it is the, uh, I'll take it back to World War II. The people who were in line with the Third Reich were nationalist, first and foremost, whether, mm -hmm. and they were blindly following the leader at hand, whereas uh, modern patriots in America on you can be patriotic on either side. You can love your country, but you have to be able to take a step back and look at what you want the what you would want to change to make a better country for everyone. Where yeah, nationalists guess, can lead itself more into again the supremacy. I yeah. guess kind of what I was getting at is like you're more likely to run into a conservative that says I like America than you are a leftist. That's like. Because leftists generally just kind of hate America. I mean, I've ran into conservatives that hate modern America way more than I have. I wouldn't say I hate it. Well, this is putting me in, in, in the place of the conservative. But I wouldn't, you know, obviously I'm not going to say America's terrible. Obviously there's things that need to change, by and large. But, um, yeah, I, I guess it's more likely for conservatives to be patriotic than it is for progressives. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Well, I view that kind of idea is, um, at least nowadays more progressives are more willing to be out more vocal and outspoken about the problems they see where conservatives are fighting that. Yes. Yes. Conservatives are way too quiet. The, I agree. Well, they're fighting it by oh, saying, no, 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 this is this is perfectly fine. This is how it should be, even though it could be a blatant bad thing <laughs> or something that needs work. See, so, I, I disagree. I, I see both sides. They're too quiet for, you know, the average, the normal person. And they're too outspoken on the extremes because that's what gets attention. That's what draws people in. The Trumps. <clears throat> of the world the AOCs of the world they're extremely outspoken in their views and they don't accommodate or even think about the average 
American. Even though that's what they're voted in and paid to represent and to work for. There's no fear there for them. They, they don't necessarily care whether or not we agree because somehow they get voted in, even though they don't represent the average person. But they're the only options we have. All right. So I, well, I would agree that some are too, that most are too quiet. I think like the and, normal people are too quiet and then the crazy people need to shut yeah, up. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> like I was talking about a uh, last oh, yes. episode. People talk, cra- essentially talk crazy and like, oh, y'all not listening to me. These people will. And then go into the echo chamber. And then they get enough of a following where it's like, Oh, I guess we have to, uh, guess we got to listen because everyone else is doing it. And that goes for both sides. I'm not, the the one thing I'm not going to do is bully, bully one and not bully the other because it's, they're shambles of what they were and what they could be. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on and transition uh, to talk about progressivism or modern liberalism or leftism, etc. What do you think progressivism is philosophically? David. Well, kind of in its namesake, like conservatism is to conserve. Progressivism is to take something and kind of proceed, improve, redefine what whatnot insert other adjectives here and kind of as you were saying it's pretty much that's the fundamental boiled down idea but in the modern view it's seen with democrats and crack socialists and those kind of camps of thought <clears throat> okay what about you uh michael uh do you want my honest opinion uh, I do want your honest opinion. <laughs> it doesn't mean jack shit. <laughs> okay. Explain. Okay. Well, again, what are we progressing? That is the question at hand. Mm-hmm. It's just a blanket statement put forth on a school of leftist thought that has been accommodated for the masses to push differing ideas and not really progress much of anything. It causes as much harm as it helps. It doesn't really mean shit. <laughs> wow. I was, I was, I'm actually being civil with my response and I, and you know, yeah. now Michael's just digging on digging in on his own. That's uh, okay, I don't though. call that. Yeah. It's not my own. I'm a very marked and stretched individual on the political spectrum. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, man's not really out of thought. He's just like, you take a shotgun, shoot it on the political you're, compass. You're, you're like that, you're like that uh, conspiracy theory board where there's like uh, pins and lines everywhere, and that's where you are basically politically. Yeah. I feel more in line with a lot of modern Americans, yet I feel alienated by a party that should... I should be aligned with. So, yeah, that's why I don't really vibe with the progressive or the conservative. 
because you know modern yeah, especially context. in the modern sense it's become kind of bastardized whereas if you want to take it back you know to like the heart of it i i see both schools of thought equally valid at the heart well then maybe we will agree and in some of these future issues that we're going to be talking about which for those listening at home we haven't talked too specifically about anything but starting next episode we're going to dive in on actual specific issues um so kind of piggybacking off of what david was saying i was going to say that the philosophy of progressivism is that we must forge our society onward and progress progressives aren't satisfied with the way things are and desire to fix problems such as inequality and oppression and its ultimate aim is to create a utopian society Naturally, progressives want to change things, often because inequality and oppression are rampant. They view the Constitution as good, but not good enough. Progressives rely more upon the authority of the federal government to fix issues from the top down. Um, I will let you guys, I'm sure David has a dissenting opinion. But yeah. what, what, do, mean, you, the, what do you think of that kind of... For the modern progressive, I think it's pretty spot on. Now, where I would differ, because we do run where states' rights are important and stuff like that, I would say, for the most part, they stick with the federal government because it kind of all encompasses and it sets that precedent. Mm -hmm. Where, say, conservatives want to do stuff more on state and local level because it's their community. Yeah, but also... I think that's but, fair, but in well, the this, this is a, well, at least in the kind of perfect ideal of what both would be. Though, as we see with many kind of key issues, it goes almost straight to federal instead of being a state or personal or cultural issue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, you are kind of tapping into something like that. Uh, the appeal that um, the left appeals to federal government, whereas the right appeals more to state government, um, because it's it's a they typically take things on a more local level versus you know the left taking things at a more federal level. I think this maybe this is a little conspiratorial, but I I think you were tapping into something about reaching kind of their demographic in a sense. Like conservatives know that they can get people to turn out and go vote locally so that's where they thrive whereas the left tends to rely more on national institutions such as the media and social media and corporate america which also kind of skews towards them and that's kind of their their Uh, audience i mean nowadays corporate america stems towards conservatism because like as kind of where Michael draws the line with the modern conservative movement with the neoliberal kind of policies put in place because yeah, that's capitalist like, uh, businesses all love neoliberal stuff. And then there's the issue of lobbying and donations and all that stuff that warps. I now, strongly your disagree. View, <laughs> your viewpoint probably comes from say like Facebook and stuff doing their kind of censorship, their monitoring and stuff like that. Where most businesses aren't seen in the public eye, they don't give a shit. They're going where yeah, the money's um, at. But when you when you look so, at most of media put forth, it's owned by a 
couple oligarchs, essentially. Turner, Warner, Fox. And the issue lying is we're, they'll put out both opinions. On Let's take Fox, for example. Fox generally is, the news side is very right-leaning on a national level, where other parts of the media seems to be very left-leaning. So when we focus on the media, that's focusing on the dissonance and not true problems at hand. It's just there to create dissonance and to make people not necessarily want to converse on these topics. Yeah. I know that sounds, very cons- that, that sounds very conspiratorial, but both, they, both sides have things they want to censor. Both sides, and I'm not talking on an individual level, I'm talking on a corporate level. I think on the kind of the issue of corporate America, I think most corporations aren't socialist, you know, so in that re- in that regard, they're not left on that issue. But on basically most other social issues, uh, a lot of corporate America is very woke. And that uh, I, bleeds I, I down s- into a lot of things. Well, I, I wouldn't say they're woke. More... They're, they're virtue signalers. That's all they yeah. do on and. You know, it's look like at, look take- at nine eleven. We have a memorial every year for nine eleven. For we celebrate Fourth of July, but then they'll go celebrate things on the other side and go, "Oh well, we're woke. Oh well, we're old school." It, it's just dissonance that's created, and that's where I draw the line with a lot of modern politics. Is it's just there's no conversations happening. It's just dissonance to be dissonance to separate people from realizing that we're all trying to strive for the same goals. We just have different approaches. That's okay. like when I go on Facebook, I see largely conservative viewpoints because that's what the algorithm feeds me. Whereas when I go on Twitter, I see an equal amount, but you will probably see a different, different thing. Cause that's what the al- algorithm feeds. When I go on YouTube, same thing. I'm a very strong Second Amendment advocate, and so it'll feed me that. When also looking at philosophy, it'll feed me a lot of far-left ideologies because that's what algorithms do. They feed not what people necessarily want to see, but what they will watch and what they will read and what will get a reaction. And that is, my opinion, the issue of just modern politics is it's no conversation. It's just separation all right well um but that, yeah, off, that, that's a whole nother this got off yeah, on a rabbit trail hole a little bit that it could go into about neoliberalism and the problem of the 24 7 news cycle all right so just to kind of wrap up my well my criticism of the progressive philosophy is that the progressive battle is kind of an eternal one because there will always be more inequality and oppression around the corner. The paradox of modern liberalism is that it requires government to enact laws to promote freedom for the marginalized, making the government bigger and bigger. Then the harsh reality is that by giving the government this much power, liberalism also creates massive potential to bring forth a tyrannical government that oppresses its own people and constantly overexerts its power. Yeah, though on the 
different side of the coin, like as you were talking about with conservatism, when it's all a idea of kind of when you need to do to like conserve something or when do you need to progress, if the world around you has changed, is it time? It's look, like looking at a, like, let's take a look at the only nation that has not progressed since it was made. North Korea, do we think they should progress or do you think they should keep kind of their old traditional values? It's an extreme version of that, but I think kind of both ideas have that same issue just on the opposite end. Yeah, and... Well, I don't think North Korea was founded on particularly good values to begin with. I mean, what? Well, so, yeah, that, that's, you, kind you know, of, that's kind I, of I'm apples to saying, oranges. But, uh, but it's the traditional aspect and saving tradition is there. I mean, yes, but it's it's not yeah. the same tradition. So it's a different, it's a completely different discussion from my perspective. I don't know. People on both parties think they're pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. I was just saying that kind of has an extreme example. Kim Jong Un. If we, we were in the there, week. yeah, because it's as you kind of put it. What do you need to kind of conserve, and then on the other end, what can be progressed? What can't? What needs to change? And mm -hmm. I think it's a uh, also different viewpoints of equality <laughs> because there's a few. There's kind of think of it like a flat line, and think of it where you have say three people of different heights and they're all propped up to the same level. Equality right. versus there's, there's, equality. Yes, yeah. there's equality versus equality. No, inequality versus equity is what you're thinking of. Um we will talk more specifically about that with CRT in a future episode. So yeah. and definitely look forward to that. Yeah, I don't have good things to say about either side well the modern version of either side any anymore i'm so damn jaded <laughs> all right so as a worldview what does progressivism attempt to account for and what does it not account for i'll i'll let i'll let jaded michael go first you know i'm sure you've got it, thoughts go ahead it attempts to account for the uh greater good of the whole the whole circle and in doing so, it, it doesn't equate for much progress either. Because, again, it, try, it tries to champion and push for changes to get everybody on an equal playing field. But in doing so, it just pushes more people deeper into bad things. and it. Uh, just like with uh, conservatism, I'm going to try to keep it nice, but there's no promises. The modern progressive virtue signals and doesn't actually get off their ass because they want to focus at the top when to make change. We and we've seen this in our lives. You gotta gotta work Bottom work up. on a. A grassroots level and get the support of the people instead of just trying to 
reach one person up there and yank them down like listen here and sometimes they can get the support of the populace but a lot of times it's just virtue signaling to virtue signal that's the issue with the modern progressive movement by trying to account for all it accounts for very few okay as far as I, the, I know the, I sound the, just as, no as far as like all of the the virtue signaling I 1000% agree and that's why I got off Twitter is because I was like please stop just shut up <laughs> Yeah, it's one thing to say it and to mean it and put your work into it. It's another thing just just to say it. Like there's also just some insane nothing. people on Twitter. Like just in general, oh, I'm like I don't I don't really get on social media much at all. But like I mean, yeah. I get on Twitter to people yeah. watch. Not even going. <laughs> yeah, it pushes forth the extremes of both ideas and doesn't let again the issue with media. It's about what gets attention, not what actually creates discussion. Or doesn't create constructive discussion and dialogue. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we can all agree with that. Yeah, yeah. All right, David, Which what people, do you think? Listen. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was pretty much going to say, see, people, listen. We're having a very good communal discussion here yeah. on our viewpoints and differing opinions. Uh-huh. None of these worldviews on a core level are evil we just mm -hmm. we all essentially want the same thing which is a a united states that we're proud of we just see differing ways of going about it mm -hmm. wow okay yes yes like yes and no because the ideologies themselves on a pure like stripped down level like yeah there's nothing wrong with conserving there's nothing wrong with progressing it's when we get into the specific issues that you know we get into the hairy water which we'll obviously talk about later uh david what do you think progressivism accounts for uh as a worldview and what does it not account for i kind of lay more so on the side of michael with this but kind of progressivism tries to account for kind of all-inclusivity and kind of that aspect. So everyone from your majority to minority. And it fails because... Yeah. But it tends to fail be just because, unfortunately, if you put an equal weight on minority and majority... Or if you tip the scales to one side, it's still not going to be equal. And the idea of kind of trying to satiate everybody without compromise gets you nowhere. By saying okay. everyone is special, nobody is special. Yeah. So I'm going to say some controversial things and we'll, we'll have a discussion about it. Ooh. Um, I, I think progressivism actually attempts to account for far more than it is philosophically capable of. Um, essentially, through the advent of identity politics, progressivism is more likely to take on a religious aspect in one's life than conservatism. So, as I mentioned earlier, conservatism doesn't actually account for much without some other supporting philosophies, which is why I argue that conservatism alone can't be religious it actually relies on actual religion. But 
progressivism kind of creates its own philosophies to sustain itself, which in turn become religious. See, so, I, for that part, I tend uh, to disagree because I think, at least in the modern scope, both have let, let me let me finish my little spiel and then we can right. go we can go into because there's there's a few things that you know I'm sure you guys will disagree on, um, but because of identity politics, um, certain things like CRT are designed to keep black people voting Democrat. Gen transgender ideology is used to keep the ever-growing number of people with gender dysphoria voting Democrat. The LGBTQ community relies upon the Democratic Party as their lifeline. Obviously, we'll go more in depth on these things uh, in specific episodes on these topics later, but for now, I have to say that these theories which many uh, many of which are unsound and imply absurdities, are politically manipulative and suck critical thinking out of the minds of voters. Many progressives tend to be atheist or agnostic, neither of which provide a sound grounding for morals or ethics or rights. In essence, progressivism attempts to account for more than it's capable of, and without reference to some underlying philosophy on human rights and objective morality, everything it stands for becomes an absolute uh, an absurd castle built on sand all right now i know you're going to degree, yeah. disagree so go ahead on the first part because i mean take a look at america and especially where these kind of viewpoints come from both come from a deistic background the and but both have become almost their own religions at this point because I can tell you just as many, say, progressives, quote-unquote, and conservatives that treat whoever is their candidate like a god. They can't do no wrong, and, you know, I think the kind of what you've said falls on both parts, especially with that point and the identity politics as well, because conservatives... Well, you look at both sides and you see the same people without no changing thoughts. Well, nothing that kind of sparks like, oh, wait, I stand with this on this. It's because you'll see as many Bubba's on the conservative side as you'll see, say, disenfranchised youth on the Democratic side. Yeah. And I, again, this is an issue. I have with modern politics is it's very it's turned very dogmatic and it's very much in my view when you look at the recent democratic and the recent republican candidates that have reached the big stage it's very much following that cult of personality and protecting from any wrongdoings that they have done and they're both very dogmatic and very exclusionary when it comes to that. And very, it's kind of the issue with uh, like modern day Christians where they'll blindly believe just because they're told that's what they should versus actually knowing what they stand for and believing it. Like when me and you speak on religious things, I know you 100% either have an understanding or are searching for an understanding 
and you're not just blindly following because that's what you're told. Whereas I've met a lot of people on both sides who, again, if you bring up certain policy things like, oh, I don't believe in that. Well, that's, you just told me you believed in that. You've dogmatically followed it. And that blind faith inning of itself can take a strain on politics and create more of a cult versus a party. And that, that issues on both sides. I've seen just as many Bubba's who don't know what they stand for and don't know what their representatives are doing as I do Larry's on the left who again, don't know what they stand for and don't know what they're voting for and what the oh, representatives are doing. Yeah, Larry is just the name I picked. It, it doesn't mean anything, guys. Don't sorry, Larry. But, well, sorry, Bubbas. Yeah, that... So when it comes to the... Because there are people who worshipped the last Republican president essentially like a god. The man could do no wrong. And if he did, they championed it instead of ask questions and try to progress as a party. <laughs> and get to what they believe in. Yeah, so I agree that on some level there is a desire to make politics transcendent on both ends of the political spectrum. Um and I do I agree that it happens on both on both sides. However, I think because conservatives by and large tend to be religious, they know a little bit more of a balance between like what is their actual religion. Whereas on the left, it's and and this is, I think a cultural phenomenon where people leave Christianity and become leftists. And that almost becomes their religion in, in a large sense. Yeah. So like no, these, the, the I feel like leftism is more likely to become religious than conservatism. See, I uh, disagree just because, um, for example, at conservatism, modern-day conservatism, I view very much as kind of I view the evangelical, the modern kind of evangelical movement where fire and brimstone and that kind of excites and puts fear. And what's go someone going to do when all they hear is fear? They're going to follow whoever has a solution. They're, they're just going to blow it all away and and that's where kind of if you both parties are at it's, well if we talk about if we're, if we're talking say, about uh, fear-mongering both sides do this oh yeah like, i think and also i, I think it, i don't want to quantify like which side does it more and like try and yeah. win that debate because like i mean the left does it just as much as the right if not more yeah right, they're I both think. equally guilty pretty much and then with the uh religious thing especially those in power, a lot of them are still Christian. Mm-hmm. At least where, in name. Well, I mean, one's a devout Catholic, even though uh, there's a lot of issues. And a former <laughs> yeah, one was a quote-unquote Presbyterian, even though there's a lot of issues there. Yeah. Or one of my old, one of my favorite, at least post-president, Jimmy Carter, more kind of democratic leaning, but he is a devout religious man and he still goes and to his church and helps out every Sunday. 
so it, I think it's not really, not necessarily a problem with there's a lack of religion. I just think most with the right, they're outspoken about where in the left, it's very much kind of take us. We have our own personal beliefs. We'll talk to it, talk about it with friends or in good company, but they're not going to be out there if you and be outspoken about it. I actually disagree with that. And we can, there's, we're going to disagree on a lot of this. So we're going to have to yeah. agree to disagree. But yeah. I feel like leftists are far more to proselytize their politics than conservatives are. Just in I, my personal experience, especially in the workplace, that's they're, they're, they're way more outspoken in general. And see, on the inverse, I feel conservatives are more likely to use the God blanket statement to push forth policy that has nothing to do with a religion. And that's fair enough. I haven't spoken with people like that, so I don't, yeah. I don't, but I mean, I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, oh, well, there's I mean, a lot God of them wanted us to bomb them kids in the Middle East, and that wasn't a recent thing. That was uh, the past 20 years. Okay, well, I think we've answered this question. I think we'll move oh, on yeah. to the next one. We're um, all just incredibly jaded at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sorry if this episode is extremely negative and depressing. Or if it offends you, because it should oh, it's going, it's, you. It, you we're should going learn to from off, this. If we haven't offended you by now, you know, I don't know what's wrong with you. Stay Stop tuned. being such a snowflake and get offended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and okay. W- w- once again, guys, just listen, think for yourself, and create discourse amongst your community. And if you don't like what we're saying, do something about it. Yeah. Well, don't, I mean, don't like, like dox us or anything, but like, I mean, like, you know, try to find me. You won't find me. (laughs) Just don't take my credit score away from me. Anyway, we're moving on to the next question now because we've, we've answered that question already. Um, thoroughly. What do you believe, uh, what do you perceive as the progressive narrative? Again, this can be informed via liberal media, politicians, friends, et cetera. Again, the narrative is virtue signaling and yeah, I mean, and that's for politicians, media, people in the public. It's not necessarily, some have once again, good intentions and do some groundwork and try to get the ball rolling, but most just virtue signal. Again, that is what I perceive as the progressive narrative in the modern sense it's neoliberalism and virtue signaling just oh yeah well we'll uh we care about your family and we want to help everybody at the bottom but we're gonna go bomb innocent kids in the middle east for no reason we're gonna lock kids in cages kids kennels welcome to the democratic party but we care about you that's what it is to boil it down shortly David? It's democracy. I mean, quite similar. And though also one little thing I want to say is with both of their narratives, it's not, it's sometimes not even about their own policy. It's just what the opposing team does. It's like, oh, conservatives do this. Progressives like, oh, well, we're going to do this instead. We're going to be against that. And progressives do something. Conservatives are like, ah, it's like a fucking football team. 
Fair even enough. It, yeah, even if it's something that is generally agreeable upon, like, hey, we should be able to see where our tax dollars go, right? As a taxpayer, we should. If if the left says to do that, the right's going to be like, no. If the right does it, the left's going to be like, no. Just yes. reactionary. This is true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, David, go ahead and tell oh, yeah. me what your narrative perception is. I mean, like with Michael, it mainly lies in kind of virtue, well, virtue signaling, where fundamentally the modern, well, American, Republican, Democrat Party are both under the same neoliberal ideals. It's just which, who do they kind of signal to? Where Democrats go for more the progressive, the leftist leaning, even though they'll say, oh, we'll do this, but really they're doing almost the same thing, just slightly tweaked, slightly different. Yeah, and the inverse on the Republican side is they're supposed to be against gun regulation, yet they have in their times put more gun regulation in hand than the Democrats have managed to do. Yep, can't buy a honey badger anymore. Bump stock, the Brady Bill. All that was brought forth by Republican-leading people and owners of gun companies in the NRA. So I have a philosophical response to this, and then I have a, like, tangential response to this. So the philosophical one is from David Coises, pointed out in his book that I referenced earlier. All political ideologies have a narrative that miracle, that, that mirror the biblical redemptive story. So the biblical redemptive story goes as follows. There's creation, but then a fall, and soon comes redemption and eventually consummation. The liberal redemptive story goes like this. First, there is original freedom, but then there's oppression, and soon comes liberation and eventually freedom. So that's the philosophical perspective. Uh, the tangential one, which, uh, you know, we've got plenty of negativity in here, so why not have some more? Uh, Bring it on! It's very cynical. You can't hurt me any more than I've hurt myself. (laughs) You'll have to excuse my slander here. Um, the progressive narrative frequently has disdain for, I guess, patriotism. I'll swatch, swap nationalism out for patriotism. Uh, obsesses over political correctness often focuses on fear and negativity, points to oppression as the source of every problem, redefines words and creates self-fulfilling theories to support its own views, and is often responsible for making literally everything political. And conservatives, especially those evil Trump supporters, are the root of all evil in this country. That is what I perceive as the progressive narrative. Moment of silence for thinking. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for the most part, yeah. I, I, they all follow a redemption arc. I think that is a good thing to bring up because it's kind of where along that arc each party lies. I, um, if you guys are interested, I have, I will have the book in the show notes, um, as a source, but he kind of talks about many of the reigning political philosophies of our day and talks about how each of them follow this uh, biblical arc. They kind of mirror it, but in a different way. Um, and it's pretty interesting. It, is, it does get a little bit uh, 
heady in some places and kind of I disconnect in some places, but um, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, and I do like how you brought up that, say, Progressive C, kind of the opposing team as the issue, while the conservatives also do that as well. It's like, we're, we could have just kept it with like, oh, both of these just do this constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And again, by lambasting in the opposition as the issue, we don't deal with the issues within the party. Like, I guarantee you, anybody who, most people who look at policy or, or are decently informed didn't feel the greatest about who they have had to vote for. And for a while, not just, this isn't recent, this is overall, but due to the fact that they got to fight the opposition. Yeah, I've, only, I've only voted in the past two elections and I, I'm like, you know, you guys could have gotten anybody better. Like, you sure I've, about I've, this? Yeah, you, you could have picked I up have, both sides. You could, could have, have went to the morgue options. and picked a better person. Yeah. I genuinely haven't voted in the presidential election this last time because I was like, they're both old white men who should die soon. <laughs> and I don't care about their opinions. I voted in local elections, which everybody, if you are a jaded person like me, study what's happening in your local elections and do something about it. It starts Is that with you. Michael Virtue signaling that he votes in local elections and you should too? Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's no, where you're, it you're actually right. happens. You're and, right. I'm just joking. I'm just gaslighting. Yeah. And as much as you can say the opposition is the problem, you also got to look inward and do some self-growth from within the party and go, okay, I might think that these people on that side is a problem, but also I have to look and go, "Mm, yeah, there's some people on this side that's also a problem. We can't just blindly point fingers without looking inward at ourselves. Yeah, I, in, I definitely think a lot of people would be better off just personally and politically if they did a little bit more reflection and yeah. and worked on themselves a little bit more than uh, those evil other people that are wrong. Yeah, yeah. because and, in our um, government with the House and Senate, you can see it a lot. Even in the same party, there are people that you know fundamentally they disagree with each other, but just the own the conservatives, own the liberals in the House or the Senate, they'll stick by each other and be like, oh yeah, but as soon as something pops up, it's like, you were a link this week. You're the weakest link? <laughs> the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, that, that's a spoonerism for you. Yeah. And, but, and it's like, if you're going to be, you got to be consistent and with that as well. And it's that kind of lack of consistency that's a problem as well, where if it's an issue they disagree on, they'll just still team up just to own the libs or own the conservatives instead of standing there kind of ground and having a good discussion about it. Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why I revoked my NRA membership. Uh, Because when I looked at the gun legislation that was brought up during the Trump Trump administration. Nobody in the circle, the 
second amendment circles that I myself run in that voted Trump would dare say anything about the Republican party and the law they put forth and say, Hey, no matter who tries to infringe on this, right, it's wrong. We also got, and on the left need to do the exact same thing. If it goes against your core belief, you need to, you know, just not blindly follow and accept it for what it is. All right. Um, I feel like there was something that I wanted to say, but I don't remember what it was, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, so, kind of moving on. Are the ideas of progress and conservation opposed to one another? How do these two political ideologies oppose one another, and what presuppositions do they bring to the table? I think without nuance, they are, at least nowadays, because we like nuance in this they're diametrically opposed to each other but in say world war implications they can be used kind of together where say oh this tradition let's keep this but say there might be a little bit of issue so we can change the issue and keep the core of it the core fundamental idea or say, if there's a list of issues, some things you could take a more conservative mindset and some you can take a progressive. It's kind of what we've been talking about where it's the viewpoints are opposed, but you can kind of use them together to get kind of the best result. So moderating kind of the different ideas. I mean... Uh, again, on a one-to-one scale, they are opposed to each other in a modern, realistic worldview. Do they necessarily have to be? Well, to make that happen, you'd have to change the goalpost. You'd have to change the rules. That's In the modern sense, they are very much opposed to each other, even though realistically, in through... Uh, God, my mind just went blank for a second. I'm just so so damn jaded with this. Would you like me to pick up and let you uh, continue in a minute? Or do yeah, you... I'll let you. I'll I'll let you pick up. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just absolutely jaded with politics <laughs> at this point, and okay. that's why my internal focus has been on myself to grow before I even get more jaded. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. So I was I was basically just going to say that the concept of progress and conservation don't inherently oppose one another. another. Um, a nation can both progress in areas they need to progress in while still conserving what is good about that nation. This kind of gets back to what I was talking about last episode about for a long time, the left-right divide has worked for the betterment because we can progress and also conserve. But the ideology, so so the ideologies are designed to complement one another, but instead, uh, throughout the course of history, they become radically opposed. Where these ideologies split off is in their methods. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> both conservatism and progressivism rely upon other philosophies to hold themselves up. Where they differ is that Conservatives often look to religious values and ethics, which provide a sound worldview for grounding their political positions, where progressives look to other philosophies that 
aren't meant to be religious, but instead become religious. This ultimately, this is ultimately necessary because worldview informs politics, not the other way around. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I get where you're yeah. coming from. I guess I, I think like, I'll let you go ahead. Uh, this this may be a little bit of a side tangent, but I think uh one person whom I listen to their music put it in a good way. Hey, we just had eight years of our quote unquote side being in charge. They voted. Their side's in charge now. We can either rock with them and create conversation, or we could just put our put our fingers in our ears and go la 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 la. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. <laughs> and so, I I do agree that in theory they should complement each other and create a sometimes create compromise. Sometimes we'll see how you guys guys run it. We'll see how that works for us and. Oh, in four years, if that doesn't work, we vote in a different batch, and we'll see how you guys run it. In a perfect world, it would that would be great. I think we can all agree that we could learn a lot, and we could grow as a nation and actually see some change. But instead, it they've radically gone opposed to each other and just create stalemates and stagnation. And we were With, warned about this back in the day, back at the beginning of the nation. I think, yeah, we were warned about the two party system. I think, um, oh geez, I was going to say something and it's, it's just left me. I hate this it happened again. <laughs> you and, become even more jaded. Well, I'll, I'll make this clear for everybody in the back. Pretty much. I think it's a good thing when we have a mix of representatives from their respective areas. And I think it's good that we have differing ideas and opinions or else it becomes a jerk off echo chamber. Okay. I remember yeah. what it was. Um, sorry if I interrupted you. Oh, um, no, it's fine. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <clears throat> Differing opinions help grow. Obviously, this is all very abstract. And really, when it gets down to it, the devil's in the details. So when we're talking about conserving things, you know, one side may say, yes, we should conserve this. Um, whereas the other side may say, no, we shouldn't conserve that. We should get rid of that. Um, when it comes to progressing things... One side may say, we need to progress in this direction, whereas the other side may say, no, we need to progress in this direction. So obviously, you know, while this is all very abstract and philosophical, like, yes, it, the devil's in the details and, and it does matter what the specific issues are and what the specific policies are. And uh, I know it's going to frustrate people that we're not talking about them in this episode, but we will in future episodes. Uh, actually, starting next episode, we will begin that. But um, yeah. Okay. So. As as that is that is the question of are they opposed to one another? Um, how do these two partic- uh, How do these two political ideologies oppose one another? Man, I uh, I'll let you go first, David, because I'm I'm not sure what more I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of how I feel. We've kind of put that question in with the other one. Okay. Where it's that kind of checks and balances. Well, do you want, do you want to just kind of go with the next question? What, what presuppositions do they bring to the table? 
I mean, I'm fine with that if you guys are, because I feel like yeah. in our yeah, little we, tangent we, there. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. You want to well, go first, Billy, so you don't forget? <laughs> I've written it down. I won't forget this part. Um, stuff just, it, it flies in and then it goes away. So it's yeah. just, it's late. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So as far as presuppositions go, I think like if you are a Christian, you believe in God, you, uh, who created mankind in his image has ordained humanity to do his will on earth and values free will. Um, that tells you that there is a higher power whom you are morally accountable to and that he values other human life. Uh, if you are an atheist, you don't believe in God. You believe that humanity evolved through chance more than likely, and that we are tiny and insignificant in the grand scope of the universe and our lives are what we make it. So, demographically speaking, atheists tend to vote Democrat and Christians tend to vote Republican. Can you see how politics are just an outworking of your worldview presuppositions when it comes to ethical issues in particular, um, which I believe essentially make up all of our laws? They're all essentially ethical at their core. Can you see how our view of the world directly affects our view? politics I, I do see but again it's not necessarily a one-to-one -one. I do see where that is but I also one second sorry guys had a burp there nice burp but when looking at the numbers it really is closer than you would expect within Let's say, because I've got the numbers up here for midterms. It's a lot closer than you would think. And this is looking from 06 to 2018. It's the only group that just as many Protestants slash other Christians vote either way when looking at the numbers. The only change was 2010 and 2014, but 2018, it went back to a re relative close number, losing a lot due to people just not voting because I, the, the exact number is 42 to 56% dim to repub on Protestant. Catholics were 50 to 49 Dem to Republican. Jewish were 79% Democratic to 25%, up to 17% Republican. Well, this also Other has to do with their theology. There, there's, yeah. a, there's a very, you know, there's your more growing progressive Protestants that are theologically liberal, and that justifies some of their leftist beliefs. Then yeah, a also, lot of Jews as well are not traditional Jews. They what's the word? It's not your Reformed Jews, but your um, there's Hasidic. There's a. I'm I'm butchering. I'm sorry. I'm just blanking on this. But anyway, it's it's the there's a lot of Jews that are culturally Jewish, but not actually religiously Jewish. Just kind of kind of like we've mentioned with Christians as well um, that don't really believe those things necessarily but they just kind of uh carry with them their heritage and then yeah. politically they just kind of 
you know, go along with the flow and believe whatever they believe, by and large, generally are liberal. <clears throat> yeah. And the only, the only group that extremely skews to Republican is white, born-again slash evangelical Christians are the only ones that skew extremely Republican, and that's still a 25 to 75 split. Yeah, and one other thing I should add is that, like, you know, I know I've said in previous episodes, like, being Christian doesn't mean you're 1,000% on board with everything the Republican Party says. That mean, that doesn't mean that it's the two are synonymous, because they're not. You know, there I, I, do, I can see some Christian virtues in both parties. Yeah, it's kind of just it which comes, ones weigh each other out. Yeah, when it gets down, again, the devil's in the details. When we go down to the specific issues, I think, by and large, the Republican Party in, enforces more Christian ethics, whereas the Democratic Party does not, in my opinion. And we'll obviously talk more specifics when oh, we yeah. get there. But, you know, and there's and there's also, like I mentioned in the last episode, that there, you know, our political system isn't uh really built to be 100% christian you know um it, it yeah, is I mean, designed to be multicultural one, one not, multifaceted yeah, yeah one one party isn't like the christian party even though like you know demographically like you mentioned like there's a lot of evangelicals that tend to vote conservative and and no, others kinda, that also lean that way well, but yeah white Born again evangelicals were the only one that necessarily skewed just that subset within the uh, evangelical and Protestant sector. Just that once, and that's just males. Females had a different split. Hmm. So yeah, that kind of pulls up where I was talking about, like heck, going into Walmart and hearing fire and brimstone, and you're not sure if it's a religious talk or a political talk. <laughs> yeah, but. Again, that's why I'm just so damn jaded. <laughs> and I, I hate to keep bringing that up, but yeah. Okay, well, um, just as, in, just as, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, and I do, I do believe that most people, when they get into a political view, Get in with the best intentions. Mm -hmm. I I don't think anyone who votes either way is necessarily a bad person. Just like I don't believe anyone who believes in a different religion is necessarily a bad person. It's just I'm so jaded. I'm less jaded about religion now than politics. It used to be the opposite. <laughs> well, at least we've made progress. Hey, there you go. There's the word. We said it. We did the thing. Oh, does all that right. make us all progressives now? Do we have? I don't want to vote. No, Hillary might be coming back in 2024. Dude, I don't don't even get me start. All right, we're not. We're not going there. Uh, okay, so <laughs> we're just gonna. I made everybody mad. Right Dude, if it's a Hillary and Trump grudge match in 2024, we're doomed. I vote for the meteor. I'm becoming my own country. <laughs> Um, okay, so kind of an addendum to that point. Um, I believe the reason we are so divided as a nation today is precisely because of worldview conflicts. Both political parties want to do what they see as best for the nation, but both have radically different visions of what that looks like. 
at a fundamental level, I believe that difference is rooted in religion and worldview because an atheistic utopia looks much different than a theistic utopia. The worldview presuppositions are at the root of our divide, and politics is just an outworking of that. Any uh, any contests to that? I think I think really like I I I don't know. Go ahead. I agree to the point with it, but I have also seen where the uh, political divide is just as much on a cultural level as much as it is on a manufactured level. Because I'd say most people kind of are more united than they are divided when it comes in America, per se. And so I do think that diff- that the differing worldviews does create some divide. But I think the worldview d- issue is at, at the heart of the culture wars because we have different values that we're fighting for on both sides. And so that leads to the culture wars and the division, which also there's other contributing factors as well, the media, a number of other things. The government itself. Politicians. Yeah. But I, me personally, I genuinely think if we took all the rigmarole and riffraff out, and gave all the silent majority a chance to voice their thoughts and opinions, we wouldn't be nearly as divided as we are now. We'd have differing opinions, but we'd still be one nation united, if that makes sense. Because you can have differing opinions and still be united as a nation. Right. And I don't feel like we're that, that and we haven't been that for a while. Yeah. And that's why, again, these are such controversial topics to bring up in good company. Yeah. Okay, so this has been a very negative, so let's uh, kind of try and not do that. Uh, what are no the promises. virtues of conservatism and progressivism? If you can be nice. If you had something nice to say, what would it be? I'll let uh, David go first because Michael's jaded. Yes, very much so. Um, I think what starting off with conservatism and I think it has a good kind of ideal for kind of his, the historic preservation of kind of viewpoints and stuff like that. So it just doesn't take in the modern worldview, but it incorporates say, Oh, how was it say hundred years ago, 200 years ago, how and stuff like that where progress, the progressive viewpoint kind of looks more towards the future and how could that be better? I think just their kind of main ideals can be viewed kind of as their best virtue, honestly. It's kind of hard to be like, oh yeah, you know, they do this right. Because as we talked, a real negative Nancy-like. What about, what about progressives? Uh, I already said what progressives, they kind of look, Towards the future and oh, sorry. How I, can apparently it, I mentally spaced out. Uh, it's okay. We're, we're, we we've had a negative Nancy talk. It it happens. All right, what I about mean, you? Go ahead. For I in the purest sense of what 
and not the sense that's pushed forward through media and through bias and things like that. I see, I can see virtues on both sides because one of my dearest friends is extremely left and one of my dearest friend's husbands is more traditional, conservative, more more based in traditions and conserving them. Like, you know, like old school conservative. Okay. And I can see the merit in on either side when it comes down to it. Because again, I don't see either one as inherently evil. It's just what has been manipulated within them that I see as the problem. The problem isn't conservatism or progressive progressism on their own it's what what people do with it i agree i think uh, i think it's not this the the ideologies themselves that are that are evil it's some of the supporting ideologies that can kind of dilute things to put it like the the loud ones like what like what i i it kind of i'm on the same fence with religion too Religion isn't inherently evil, but it's what people do with it that can be evil, if that makes sense. Yeah, And, and we've obviously talked about that in previous episodes, so uh, it kind of aligns with uh, the, my viewpoints on conservatives and progressives, the core of it. But I think... Did you have anything else you were gonna say? My brain is empty. Okay. And my heart is too. <laughs> <laughs> um I was I was basically just gonna say I think conservatism values what is good about America from the foundations with the constitution and inalienable rights to the value of the nuclear family to preserving religious rights. Progressivism attempts to reach out to the disenfranchised, fix inequality, and end oppression. It values the little guy and and desires a better future. That's the nicest I'm ever going to be. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, I, I disagree yeah. with I mean, the idea of the nuclear family because it's kind of never existed. As what? it's a nuclear family is just merely a Cold War idea. But that's a topic for another day. But yeah. Uh. That's that's a fallacy. That okay. So let me let me explain. Um, so for example, some people will say um, you're only Christian because you're in America. That doesn't discount the fact that that doesn't say anything about Christianity or whether or not it's true. That is called the genetic fallacy, which is how you come to believe that belief. It says nothing about the belief itself. So, I mean, how that definition came about is irrelevant to whether or not yeah, it, it, but it's defended. I was just saying that with the nuclear family as it, the idea is, pr- especially nowadays, impossible to achieve. And having what, a... What are you talking cons- about? <laughs> well, and with conservatives, they want to keep the tradition. Nuclear family has never been a tradition. It has just been kind of this thing made up during the Cold War. 
so push people markets. didn't stay yeah. married and keep their family in order before the cold war is that what you're saying i wouldn't i wouldn't say they kept their yeah. family in order domestic domestic was always no, i mean thing. like not in order but like together like but valuing when, valuing the 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 good of the family rather than the good of the individual i mean what is the good of the family that is that, that's a whole rabbit hole yeah, we could yeah. get into okay because yeah. toxicity uh abuse and greater problems can tie into that so yeah yeah that's that, a more multifaceted kind of idea and topic and also why people got married back in the day was different than why they get married now yeah yes i agree so and that's why i said wait we both can have for better and for worse as a kind of different talking point well maybe we'll talk about that when yeah. we talk about gay marriage in the future uh well there's another tidbit of another future episode we'll talk about you yeah because we, we, we'll, we'll talk on marriage in general in yeah that, um so. though kind of as i see it that and the kind of push against say the cold war is part of the issues with modern conservatism and the evangelicalization of it because that's where we got in God we trust on our money. We say under God in the national anthem, it's where a lot of kind of religious, well, at least religious, if not Christian aspects were pushed more heavily into the United States. But we also had that from the beginning with, we talked about this last episode with the idea of inalienable rights, all of yeah. the, all of the founding but, fathers fathers were theistic or deistic, and so like there there's be, always been a religious. Yeah, well, precedent. there's been a deistic thing, but it hasn't been inherently say Christian. Yeah, because America most of the settlers for... were Christian of some yeah. form of another. When when they were thinking about religious tolerance and and freedom of religion, they were thinking like you know, predominantly different types of Christians. They didn't like when they were talking about separation of church and state. They wanted separate. They didn't want uh, the Church of England to control. They didn't want a Church of America. You know, they didn't want one yeah. unifying church government thing. They they wanted to ha kind of have them, you know, be separate. Not necessarily that uh, the church can't speak in the public sphere like it's kind of portrayed today. That was a whole different rabbit trail. But anyway, yeah, yeah. That's why I said we could have kind of. Heck, a whole talking point about how the say the Cold War forward has pushed the parties into a further divide at this point, because that is a real big tipping point. It was American illegal to politics. be communist. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, let's let's just we've been this has been a long episode, so yeah. let's let's just move on. Uh, we still got a couple more points to talk about. Um. As we sh uh, shift gears and talk about the power of narrative, what exactly is power? Do you want me to go first, or do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want David to go first, or what? Yeah, don't matter to me. Michael's spiritually empty right now. <laughs> I'm gonna say spiritually empty. I'd say mentally my uh my physical form is empty <laughs> yeah. one day i shall ascend above these heathens okay not you guys but you know well maybe okay. you guys i don't know man <laughs> who knows 
Okay. Um, well, I was I was gonna say basically power in a traditional sense can be looked at as political authority. Whoever is in office has power, but this is just one type of power, namely political power. I have power in this conversation because I created the outline that guides this talk. A manager has power over his employees because his job title gives him that authority. Worldview has power over the way people think. And of course, culture has power over people in that culture because it shapes the way people think. Um, anyway, I, I'll, I'll yeah, pause there I, and let you go. I'll, yeah, I was going to say pretty much power is just one's influence on their surroundings and the situations. Because if you can, say, see this kind of, let's say, conflict, if you can influence the conflict to work in your favor, you have power over that. And as you said, power is a multifaceted thing, and there's different views of power itself. Yeah, there's... And I pretty much I, I agree that there's different levels of power. There's power of a lobbyist on a politician. There's power of the people who vote for the politician on the government. There's power of worldview. There's power of discourse. Power is a very multifaceted thing, and it is exactly what we make of it. And we, as both individuals and society, it's what we we give. Because without other people around, you can't have power. You just you have the power to yourself. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm going to say another controversial thing. So. Just brace yourselves. Um, <laughs> that kind of getting that definition of power out there. I think, you know, specifically with talking about culture, uh, I think this is where I believe the left has an insurmountable amount of power. And I've kind of mentioned this earlier, but they, though they aren't constantly in political power, they always have cultural power. The right has cultural power as well, but it doesn't reach nearly, the reach isn't nearly the same. So ABC, MSNBC, uh, CNN, The Washington Post, New York Times, most mainstream musicians, actors, corporations, uh, all the tech companies inf and internet influencers are liberal and therefore spread the liberal narrative. Democrats practically have a monopoly over institutional power. So even if they view themselves if their views aren't themselves very popular, they're the ones with the megaphone shaping how people think the most. Now, as I mentioned, Republicans do have some cultural power, but it isn't very much and often relies upon Fox News, Christianity, and butt rock, and maybe some country bands to spread its ideas. See, where I'm going to differ is the power is very cyclical when it comes down to that. Because if we go back in time towards the 80s, where it was in vogue to be a capitalist conservative, there were a lot more conservative mindsets in the public eye. It's all just what's in vogue, essentially. It's what I'm getting down to. Being woke is in vogue. It's not that these people are necessarily woke, but it makes money. So why not fucking lie? 
Yeah, and like say in 2016, it was a little more popular to be kind of anti-woke or like own the libs. That's where it like just starts to say like Ben Shapiro really popped off. He capitalized on that moment in time where it was more popular and then the algorithms kind of pushed him more forward. Man, talk about a guy with a tiny face really taking the power of memes and riding that pony to the end. Yeah. You say beans? Memes. Oh, memes. memes. I was like, did he take the power yes. of beans? Is there something I didn't know about that he just had a I bunch of beans? I don't think, I don't think with that little face. From beans? I don't think with that disproportionately small face he can eat beans. He can probably that's, eat beans. That, well, yeah, that's Jewish, a different so talking point. He's Jewish, so, you know, no pork or whatever. Are beans considered pork? Anyway, no, that's different. No, they're, no. they're, they're not. <laughs> so he can but, uh, eat pork. He can eat, wait, he can eat beans because they're, anyway. As long anyway. as you don't have pork in the beans. Okay, cool. We're yeah. not. <laughs> whatever. But uh, get, getting back to the cyclical nature of what's in vogue, if you go before that, you had the flower hippie movement and all that. And as a retort and, to that, that was the 80s capitalist mindset which was in the public eye and then if you go before that that was cold war where con- any extreme left were lambasted and moved or straight up just attacked it's very cyclical when it comes down into what is in the modern political narrative with next 20 years it probably will cycle again just like everything else yeah, I mean, look, it, like, it, as you right, said with well, the flower right. children, those flower children became the <clears throat> capitalist 80s with, when they got older. And it used to be you're more liberal-leaning younger, and then you move more into conservative mindset, too, which pushed that cyclical nature. Yeah, it's it's like... Yeah, it's just an observation of the way our current culture is. I'm not saying that it doesn't change or hasn't changed, but yeah. obviously yeah. it's changed. I, and it's a problem with identity politics because they say one thing and do the other. So there, you can't quite get a clear read. And then and when... Then, as you blind, said, like the media. And then it, when the blind wake up and grow up and start thinking for themselves, they go, I don't really believe any of this shit, so I'm going to vote where I believe. This goes or back opposite. Yeah. Um, this goes back to the cultural battles versus political battles that I mentioned in the last episode. Um, not all issues ought to be federalized political issues. Many are issues we face with the culture. And I do oh, yeah. have to hand it to the activists out there for this reason. They understand that in order to make change happen, it has to be accepted by the masses in the public. Uh, activists work to change culture. This happens more on the left than it does the right, and when amplified by those massive cultural institutions I mentioned earlier, you end up with a culture that is more influenced by a minority of socially elite liberals. This is why censorship and the control of information is such a big issue today. That's a whole different rabbit trail. but Yeah, yeah. and that also falls into um, business rights and stuff like that nowadays with giant fucking corporations running what we use the most and this is yeah. that's specifically like the problem with um corporations becoming 
pseudo politicians or platforms for political discourse for the masses. Yeah. And yeah, and like I don't allowing... care what I don't care what Ben what Ben and Jerry's believes on their Twitter. Like, can you stop preaching wokeism to me? Like, I, I don't mean, care. They, they've been, <laughs> uh, at least they've been consistent. They've been doing it forever. Yeah. <clears throat> If you're gonna if you're gonna do stuff like that, be consistent. Don't do it just because it's in vogue. And that goes for the the opposite end of that. Don't do it because it's in it's edgy and cool. Or anti vogue. Because you believe in it. Well, you know, like uh, oh, rap is crap. We all have said that at Dude, one point. Let's not I, lie to ourselves. I do have a playlist called Trap Rap Crap. Yeah. But so. we, we all have had our edgy undertones, and so I, I myself can look in the mirror and be like, you know what? In a different life, I would have probably been one of them alt-right edgelords. In a different life. Because they're not doing it because they believe necessarily. They're doing it because it's edgy. It's counterculture to a point where now former countercultures became main culture. It's again the cyclical nature of this shit. We we as a species don't necessarily change. We just run cycles. Which that's a deeper conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have anything else to say on that before we go on to the the last question kind of wrapping this one up? No. Nah. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are the benefits of a political narrative, and what are the shortcomings? The benefits are it gives you something to stand behind, something to almost unionize over, but it also is the exact reason why people fall out of parties, because that narrative is there, but if the work on the ground isn't matching the narrative you're putting forward, are you really doing anything? And again, that's for both sides. Both sides are equally guilty. So it is a good thing to be able to have that narrative and to have, you know, what you believe in and what you're pushing for. But also when you fall short or just abandon that, that causes more discourse and more harm to the narrative then it solves if that makes sense okay yeah I mean it does um I'll let you go David yeah uh, I mean essentially for the kind of benefits it I agree with Michael but the shortcomings can be exactly why we see a benefit because it lacks the kind of nuance of the of what everyone believes and it kind of just homogenizes stuff. And that kind of homogeneity can create the kind of opposing forces we have today. I would say that, uh, you know, a narrative is just a narrative is story, you know, and yeah. it's, it's the it's, story it's that the, we tell ourselves and that it's the kind hook. of tying back into the intro of this episode. Like, it's it's we live by stories we are creatures that live by narrative so the benefit of a political narrative is that it helps people see trends and an opposing political ideology 
The shortcoming is that it becomes a matter of optics. Whatever stories are zeroed in on are primarily to promote a partisan ideology and to diminish the authority of opposing views. It also has a byproduct of dehumanizing the opposition. The reality is that both political ideologies fall short in their own ways. Neither can sustain someone in a religious sense. As mentioned earlier, both rely on philosophical presuppositions. Sometimes they're theistic, sometimes they're atheistic. But politics can never be elevated to the platform of religion, as if it were a worldview. It's just not capable of providing the same things that religion provides. Much like science, politics has its place and can't usurp the place of religion. Yeah. And... I, I agree with that. That was very well put. Very well put. And very unbiased thanks chief and it it's won't it's be unbiased to, from here on out but <laughs> well that's more your well, personal beliefs and not one, the, but that's fair enough yeah, it's, I mean, that's more your personal bias. belief not the party belief you're not blindly following just because right i mean I, I try and have some nuance you know i'm not just gonna be like oh what's what's the what's the republicans say about this in their book uh that they he, he, he gets a text from a party every day oh yeah that's what i'm supposed to say today. yeah that's, that's, yeah makes it nice and easy no that's that's just cnn's job and fox, and fox news. news well you and know twitter. and twitter yeah, and well, definitely and twitter. facebook and tumblr actually and reddit facebook has just been like look just tell me what i need to do mark zuckerberg's just like okay just tell me what He's like, needs to you be know, censored. I'm caught selling all your information and making billions <laughs> of dollars off you I am not a human. I'm a lizard man. Please yeah. leave me be. He's yeah. a piece of shit, but that's beside the point. Yeah. And I'm glad they're finally trying to crack down on Facebook on both sides. I think we, nice. we need to bully rich people and politicians just on both sides. Just on both yeah. sides. Yeah. Bully your politicians, kids. And bully your rich oligarchs. We people have power over them. Without us, they are nothing. We must rise. Don't. And show don't, them. Don't. Try and hey, create hey, a coup. shout out to the January 6th people. They stood for something <laughs> and they went in that. Who's gonna do it? <laughs> I disagree with why they went in there, but you know, they they went in that motherfucker. <sighs> we're the not, left, take some ideas, stop being pussies. No, we're they did, they did that for like a year, but they, did, they didn't go, this. they didn't go to the rich white people. They they went in the streets. Yeah, I'm they talking. Did. You need to. Go, you need to. They're they doing it now. In. They're robbing everyone. <laughs> that, that's 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 not going to that's the place rich. where your representatives work. If you go into work. a a jewelry store and steal shit, that's you're you're making money. Yeah, but that's not a indi- that that's an individual thing. I'm talking. I think that's more of a party op- thing. A crime of opportunity. I, I'm honestly. I'm talking more of a making a stand politically. Okay. All right. We the people have strength over them. Where you put them in power, we pay their salary. I need to stop giving Michael platform. He's gonna try and create an anarch, anarchist society. I know Michael's gonna anar- create a cult by by having anarchy in a society. You're really not having anarchy because you're relying on moral laws. That you're are set right. Forth. I just said an oxymoron. You're right. It's you're, Michael's trying to create an uprising. That's all I'm trying to say. Not uprising, an awakening of okay. both left and right. So we realize who has power and we can take it from these rich fucks who try to At least we'll have something interesting to read on the news. All right, I'm done. I'm done trying to. 
I'll let Michael nuance his bullshit until he's done. I, Are you done? Cool. Yeah, that's the I end of the all episode. Politicians. All right. Well, do we have anything else to wrap up about? Uh, no. But once again, people just don't be afraid to talk about this stuff. Like it matters. Yeah, I know. This was definitely a very uh, jaded and cynical episode because obviously we have our yeah. uh, opinions. Um, and yeah, we know, slightly heated, but we, without without getting too yeah, without getting into too specific stuff, you know, I think this has been a helpful thought process. I think more people should do this kind of thing and discuss these kinds of things with people they disagree with specifically, and not just an echo chamber. Um, and and honestly, we can clown both sides at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I can, there's, uh, there's, thi- you know, that's how you know you're, like, in a good place, is, like, if you can dunk on yourself, uh, you know, good. But that's probably a good I thing. wouldn't necessarily say on yourself, because you're not dunking on your Well, I mean, both on, on yourself your and you're on, like, You're more party. dunking on the party that you're, you're kind of haphazardly forced to vote for, for some of your core beliefs. Right. And, I mean, that's the problem with the two-party system. We need more parties, everybody. We need more parties. Yeah, there's a million and one things we could talk about politically. Um, Obviously, as I mentioned in the last episode, we're going to keep it specific to the ones relating to worldview and and try and not become a politics show, because that's not what this is. Um, So next episode... No, that'd be my side project. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Following the conclusion of this show, Michael makes a uh, podcast about just, his political rants and it's really just anarchist diaries no no not anarchist more more like a manifesto not diaries, <laughs> manifesto. okay right. micism no that makes it sound like a religion that's that's not good david no. <laughs> bad doggy you go outside okay well anyway um next episode we're going to just go absolutely into the the hot water of any cultural debate it is uh abortion we're starting with abortion so we're just going straight out there with that the yeet is that fetus clause it'll be uh, more than likely a two episode two-part episode um also if you have questions comments or concerns send them to uh facing the gates pod at gmail.com we plan to do a q a episode before this show ends so if you send in your questions we'll have a q a if you don't we won't uh, yeah, send send in those dagum them dagnabbit questions. I'm please. going to start trying to censor. Yeah, and it can be flippity flappity questions. It can be about anything specific we've talked about on episodes, or it can be about the show as a whole. You know, it can be anything that we've covered. You know, please send us your questions. We we love hearing from you guys. Um, just heck, just send send any random question to me, and I'll answer it. I'll give it a, a shoot. Oh wow, he's at a shoot. He won't give a shoot. Okay. Um also hey, follow man, us. Gotta get monetized one day. <laughs> follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Facing the Gates while the accounts are still alive. We've Do only it. got we've only got like uh I don't I don't know, a few more weeks, a month or two of the show uh, of the show. Well, it's probably gonna be like two or three more months. I don't know when this is going out exactly off the top of my head, but the point is the show is dying. So support it and listen to it while it's still alive. Be a part of it. And it's dope. Get copies of it off of YouTube. It's okay. Share. The show like me got Corona Chan. So you better, better be on the lookout guys. Support it while it's here. 
Yeah, I did too, like a month ago. But everybody's gotten that, so it's whatever. I haven't yet. You will. Yet. Um, oh, I know. Uh, uh, share around, like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. It's not going to disappear, so you can listen to it whenever. But, you know, if you want to be a part of the community while it's alive, you got a few more months. You better, You better act on it, kids. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's about it. Anything else we got to wrap up on? Because I've got a tinkle. I think it's been real. I think it's been fun. I think it's been real fun. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, bye. Bye.